And I'm going to uh, start today in the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 8. And we're going to go through a familiar story in the Bible. And without taking too much of your time, hopefully, we're going to get a little bit deeper under the surface of, of what Jesus is communicating to his disciples here in a way that I believe is relevant for us and instructive for us today. I'm going to start in the 13th verse. Many of you are familiar with this passage. Please do not adopt the attitude, I know this passage. Not again. I just studied this passage a week ago or whatever it is, you know, just uh, please resist that temptation and just listen with open hearts uh, to what God may be saying to you today. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, watch out, beware of the leaving of the Pharisees and the leaving of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? And when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not understand. So Jesus has something that he wants them to understand. From the statement that he said, beware of the leaving of the Pharisees, beware of the leaving of Herod. They heard the word leaving and they immediately went to bread. They remembered that he fed the 5,000. They remembered that they had one loaf of bread, but they did not understand the spiritual significance of what Jesus was saying. I would say they did not understand the spiritual significance of the feeding of the 4,000 or of the 5,000. So both of these instances have already happened. 
I've read the accounts of Jesus feeding the multitudes countless times. And I have marveled at the fact that they took so little provision, inadequate provision, gave it to Jesus. And Jesus blessed it and miraculous abundance developed out of it to where the multitude were fed from five loaves one time and from seven loaves another. But that's not the extent of the miracle. Not only did they, not only did Jesus provide enough provision for people to eat, there was more than enough because they had remnants of the bread left over afterwards. And there is a message in that. We can focus on the fact that people were fed, but what about the remnants? What's the significance of it? Why did he have them gather up the, uh, uh, the, the remnants, the bread that was left over? It, it speaking something that he expected his disciples to understand. And it's out of that spiritual significance that he's saying, beware of the leaving of the Pharisees and of Herod. Well, the Pharisees represented the the, the, the religious power, the religious system. And he was like, don't you be drunk with that. Don't you be leading with your religious authority or your religious power and so forth and so on. You, you Don't put your trust in that. Herod represents the political structure. Don't you put your trust in, 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 in politics. Don't you put your, your, don't you put your, stru- your, your trust. Don't think you can legislate your way to freedom or victory or anything like that. Don't, don't, don't let that leave and affect or poison your, your faith, your faith walk with the Lord. Uh, oftentimes when they use leaving, it's not, it's not simply yeast. It's, it's, it's the leftover dough from the previously made bread that's still that's still present. And when you put the new lump in there, the leftover dough can 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 cause an uh, an extra rising or puffing up. And so they often the Jews would often refer to that leaving as. As, as, as this extra knowledge, this extra thing that, that, that influence in your life that doesn't produce the righteousness of God, what it does is puff you up. We want to, we seek knowledge. We seek understanding. We, you know, we want to know how things work. We want to affect how things work. And our ability to do things puffs us up. And the more we're puffed up, the less able we are to be humble. And, and, and incline our ears to hear and see what God is saying and doing. Jesus has something he wants to share with his disciples. He fed the 4,000. He had a confrontation with the, uh, the Pharisees who, want, who were seeking a sign. He left that conflict And wanted to have a conversation with his disciples. I want to focus on the question, are your hearts hardened? Are 
I want you to linger there with me for a moment. Are your hearts hardened? And I think oftentimes we associate a hard heart with unbelievers who are in all-out rebellion with God. But I want you to know as believers, we still have the issue of a hard heart towards God. And that's part of God's discipleship process. He is doing a work in us. He's dealing with the hardness of our heart. He has to deal with that. He's talking to disciples here who have chosen to follow him. They have left all and they are following him. And yet he's asking the question, are your hearts still hard? The hardness of your heart has something to do with your inability to discern what I'm saying to you right now. And so I want to challenge us as believers to recognize a hard heart isn't just what those people have. A hard heart is also what we have in areas of our lives. And we have to acknowledge that so that we can cooperate and partner with God wanting to deal with that so that we can grow and mature in God. Are you hearing me? Are your hearts hardened? The Greek word for that is porosis. How many of you ever heard that? Like osteoporosis. It's porosis. Which means to cover with the callus. Anybody ever had callous hands? <laughs> you know, I know, I know that I have, but when people develop calluses on their hands, uh, uh, due to repeated injury to the outer skin. That's, that, that's why they do it. When I used to work out before it was a big deal to wear gloves and everything, used to have the weight bars and everything. We worked out religiously, worked out all the time. Over time, calluses developed over, on, on the hands. Without knowing it, when I'm working out, the, the outer layer of the skin is repeatedly being injured. Every time I use those weight bars, right? And, and, and what happened is a callusing, which is an overproduction of dead skin cells covering the sensitive living skin, kind of develops a way of protecting the sensitive skin underneath. But guess what? You have sensitive skin underneath, but the sensitive skin can't feel anything because it's covered by dead skin cells. In a similar manner, our hearts can be hardened or callous toward God, toward his word, or certain certain parts of his word. And what he's trying to do in our lives by the working of his Holy Spirit, this can be the case. And oftentimes it is. This isn't meant to make you feel less than what you are in the Lord. This is just real talk. Right? It doesn't mean you're not a child of God. What it does mean is we're all a work in progress. Amen? And, and oftentimes we want to deal with symptoms. We want to deal with behaviors. We're trying to stop these things, but the issue is the heart. We've got to deal with the heart, right? Until there is a changed heart, behavior won't change. Until there is a healed heart, behavior won't change. Amen? And there's a lot of societal issues today that we want to see change in. 
We're willing to change legislation. We're willing to change laws. We're willing to do whatever we can in order to force change in areas that, that, that cannot happen apart from changed hearts. Jeremiah says in chapter 17, verse 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, God doesn't ask for our hearts to be perfect. You know, we couldn't make our hearts perfect, right? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, God is asking for those desperately sick hearts to be surrendered to him. What you and I can't do, God can do. In the name of Jesus, by his precious blood that washes us whiter than snow. Amen? By the, by, by, by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, according to God's truth, right? That is what God is doing in us. Oftentimes, people call people in the church hypocrites because we're not perfectly walking in the word of God but we're not hypocrites we're just sinners who were saved by grace we are not perfect we are growing in the grace and love and knowledge of God we are being daily conformed into the image of Christ amen okay we came to God as we were that that's the beauty of God that we are saved by grace through faith not of works lest anyone should boast if salvation came by works then you're, you'd be right to criticize me for not walking in perfection because it would be merited. But what we benefit from is the unmerited favor of God, the grace of God. The salvation we have is given to us as a gift through Christ Jesus, the one who did the work and offered the salvation for us as a free gift. The world needs to know that message. That is the gospel. Amen. That 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 you are redeemable, as as your as your dad uh, discovered and recognized that I'm redeemable. What I've done in my life does not disqualify me in the eyes of God. And there's a lot of people, a lot of issues in our society that. Uh, that, that need to know. A lot of people need to know that they're redeemable, that they're loved by God, that, that, that the glorious gospel of Christ, uh, is God's love letter to them, letting them know that I see you. I love you. I want you. I gave my son for you. Come to me. All who, who, who are, who labor and are weary laden and I will give you rest. Mark 7 says something else about the heart. We're going to talk about Jesus here in a little bit, but I want to deal with the heart because he asked the question, are your hearts hardened? And I want you to think about that as though God is asking you that question here this morning. Is your heart hardened in an area of life that God is dealing with you in? Let's go. It says, starting in the 18th verse of Mark 7, and he said to them, then are you also without understanding? 
Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. Why? For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, Murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Every one of these things, people try to come up with a remedy to try and stop all these things from happening in the earth. But, but as long as there, as long as defiled hearts exist, These things will manifest no matter how strong the laws are. That's why God focuses on the heart. That's why he wants our hearts, surrendered hearts before him. We don't have to go there, but it's also mentioned in Mark 6. Uh, verses 49 to 52 is what I gave them back there because uh, I didn't want to cover the whole passage. But it also mentions about Jesus after he fed the 5,000. It says, but when they saw him walking on the sea, he came walking to them on the sea. Remember, he sent them to the other side and, and they were rowing and rowing, but the wind went against them. And And he went and dismissed the crowd and went praying. And they kept rowing through the first watch of the night, which was a three-hour watch, 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock. They kept rowing through the second watch of the night, 9 o'clock to midnight. They kept rowing through the third watch of the night, midnight to 3 a.m. And during the fourth watch of the night, they're still rowing, still haven't made it to the other side. Because they had a wind that was not favorable to them, to them, it was going against them. They're obeying God, they're doing what the Lord told them to do, and yet the, the, the doing of it is hard, it's hard work, they're not seeing much production, they're frustrated, and yet here comes Jesus walking on the water in the fourth watch of the night. He could have come earlier, but he waited till the fourth watch to come. And when he did, He's presenting himself in a way that they had never seen him before. And it caused him to freak out. So here they see him walking on the water. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hard. It would, it's, it would seem that two things that had no correlation to one another are somehow being connected here in this verse. Which begs the question, why is that? What is the significance of the loaves to, to them freaking out over him walking on the water? What is it that the disciples did not understand. 
I want to repeat that we can tell by Jesus' questions that he peppered them with that the disciples should have drawn some spiritual significance from the feeding of the multitude. But they failed to see or discern what that significance was. And I believe that's something involved not only the feeding of the multitude, but also the gathering of the remnants in some way. And, and, and we'll get into that. So why did Jesus instruct them to gather the remnants? The people, the Bible says, fed, were fed and were satisfied. They weren't hungry anymore. So why the remnants? Why be so thorough? Why be so diligent? Why meticulously gather up every fragment into these baskets and store it? and carry it with you. What significance does that have for us? To me, it, to me, it is apparent that Jesus didn't want them to just marvel at the fact that he had fed these people for a day. See, if you think about the bread that was multiplied and was consumed, God provided a meal for people and fed them for a day. But 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 the remnants symbolize God's provision, his more than enough provision, and his continued provision. Remember this. Gather these remnants. Remnants, I could say, are, are, are in this case, is equivalent to, to, to memories, memorialize what God has done. Carry this forward. God has not only provided, God has provided more over and above all that you could ask or think. And that provision, God, my Jehovah Jireh, God, my, my, my provider, you need to gather up the remnants or the memories of that and carry it forward with you, right? And let, and, and let it build and strengthen and encourage your faith for what God carries you into next. What God has done for us, we need to have the same attitude every time God shows up, every time God moves, every God, every time God does over and above what we could ask or think, we need to have the same attitude we have when we have communion. Why do we do communion? Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of the cross. The, the, my, my body that was broken for you, my blood that was shed for you, as often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord, right? The Lord's work and what he's done until he comes. Well, we need to memorialize what God has done for us. When he does a work for us, we don't just look at it on the surface and say, well, thank you, God. You provided my need here. No, 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 no. Let's look at it a little deeper. Let's gather up the remnants. Let's look under the surface. God, what are you trying to reveal of yourself to me through this? Because this is a part of your working in me. This is a part of my walk with you. Uh, uh, just like with the disciples, we can look at them and see that they were kind of bumbling keystone cops. Not all there. You know, they're just stumbling through their walk with God and they doesn't have it quite figured out and they're messing up and Jesus has to chastise them and, and so forth and so on. You know, 
we can be critical of them, but it would be foolish of us to do so because they foreshadow us. Because truth be told, I've stumbled and bumbled and keystone copped it a lot of times in my walk with the Lord. And God has had to chastise me and, and, and had to ask me similar questions. So I remember when I gave my heart to the Lord and I sold out to him and I came back to OSU after, a, you know, a brief academic suspension. And God really got a hold of me and changed my life. And he became real to me. And, 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 and during that period of time, he, he confirmed to me what his purpose, what his call on my life was. And so I get back to OSU and I, hey, I was really thanking God for what he had done. And in many ways, my life changed. But I was still a fun-loving, party-loving guy. And I came in, and I remember the first party that they were having at the student union. I can't remember what Greek, what Greek fraternity or whatever was holding the party. All I know is, per my custom, I was going to the party. God didn't say anything. I got, you know, I got showered up, made sure. Back then I had hair, made sure my haircut was tight. Got my clothes, got all dressed up, put on my favorite cologne. I was going to get my groove on. I was going to have a, I was going to have a good time. I didn't have a car. I, I didn't have it like that. So I'm walking from Bennett Hall all the way to the student union to go to this party. God didn't say anything. As soon as I walked through the double doors, he waited for me to walk through the double doors. And as soon as I stepped foot in there, all of a sudden, everything in me just changed. And I felt conviction. And then the Lord says, what are you doing here? (laughs) I was like, God, you could have told me this back in the dorm. Goodness gracious. And he told me, you don't belong here. And I said, yes, Lord. And I turned around and I walked all the way back to Bennett Hall. I mean, <laughs> all the way back to Bennett Hall. But there was still some hardness in my heart as far as the, the truth of God. I, I knew what went on at those parties. I knew how I behaved at those parties. And I knew that that really wasn't consistent with, what, with the character of God. And yet, it's what I typically did. And I was Back in action, baby. I was back on campus and I'm ready to party. And God did it in a way that would best get my attention. And from that moment, I've never been to another one. You know, other than weddings and stuff like that, you know. You know, so the rest of my college career, graduated, met my darling wife, got married, got called me to the ministry and opened up doors of opportunity for me. But but he wanted to deal with me in that way, right? I'm sure he wanted to deal with me in that way during my academic suspension. There was some remnants there that I should have been taking forward with me, the work that he had done in my life. As he redeemed me from my own mistakes and my own errors, uh, 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 he provided for me a pastor who was a, who was used of God to help me 
help lift me back up and, and, and to let me know that despite my failure, God wasn't done with me and God had a plan for me. Right. And he prophesied to me, God's going to do all these things and you're going to get back to OSU. You're going to graduate, so forth and so on. God's going to do X, Y, and Z. God did everything that he said. And yet I came back to campus with this new calling and I still had some issues in my life that needed to be dealt with. My heart was still callous in some areas. Right. And God, knowing that, still loved me. But but he would he loved me too much not to deal with me in that area. Right. And, and, and I would encourage you uh, the same thing. And so what am I saying there? They, they gathered, they literally gathered up the remnants. And, and, and I believe figuratively or spiritually, you still, it's a real way. You're just not walking around picking up remnants of food, but pick up the remnants of the daily bread that God has provided in your life. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, right? Give us this day our daily bread, right? Our daily bread, you know? And it's not just food, right? Again, we have to go under the surface here. He's not talking about food when he told his disciples to be wary of the leaving of the Pharisees and uh, Herod. He's not talking about food. There's a spiritual truth that he is conveying here, right? Same thing in the Lord's prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily provision, Lord. Not not just for the things I want to do. Lord, I want to know what it is you are doing in me, what it is you want me to do. And I pray for your provision, Lord, to carry out what is your plan for me today. And, 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 And not just the plan for what I am to do for others, but your plan for what I am to do for the spiritual benefit of myself. Lord, you're chasing those whom you love. All right. If you're chastening, if your chastening is part of my daily plan, I say yes to it, Lord. Chasing me, Lord. And, and cause me to see it and discern it for what it is. Don't let me just don't let me just think bread literally when you're talking bread spiritually. Because, Lord, I want to be thorough. I want to be diligent. I want to gather the remnants each day. I want to gather the remnants of your overabundant provision as a memorial of who you are and, and what you are and, and, and how you're working in my life. Amen? We need to be inviting him to work in us each day. So why was he so, uh, I, I wish we could have a, uh, I don't know, I wish the Holy Spirit could have also given us an audio version of the Bible to where we could also hear not just what Jesus said, but the tone in which he said it. Right. So, <laughs> so, so we could tell if whether he was angry or whether he was frustrated or he was just being stern or whatever. But, but I'm going to just say the reason he was so, uh, uh, either frustrated with him or the reason he really emphasized this is, uh, I believe he was revealing something about himself that he, that he wanted them to pick up on. And in order to look at that, we're going to go to John chapter six. 
And we'll start in the 26th verse. And we'll only, we'll cover a few verses, just enough to really get the picture here. John, we'll start with 26, uh, John 6, verses 26 and 27. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So he's saying, you're, you're, you're thinking carnal here. You're thinking your belly's got full, Right? You know, you, the, the spiritual significance of what I'm doing is going over your head because you're only thinking deep enough for your stomachs. And so he doesn't want us to, he doesn't want us to think that way, right? He wants us to realize that, that we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We, we, we are peculiar people. We are of the household of God. Amen. We are sojourners here. So everything God does in our life has a spiritual significance to it. Either it involves an assignment that he wants us to carry out or it involves something that he wants to die in us, that he's trying to uh, uh, develop in instead a character trait of Christ in us. Amen? And so we it's, it's incumbent upon us that we see that, welcome it, invite that, and that we partner with it. And so you seek me, he, he, he's not missing any words. You're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. All right? So there's many things, there's many needs out there in the world. There's people that need to be healed. There, 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 there are people who are depressed that, that uh, need hope, right? There, there are people who are oppressed, right, that need justice and so forth and so on. There's a lot of needs out there, but the primary need is for Jesus. The one on whom God has set his seal. Amen? Let's go on for the next verses, 28, 29. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? I I want you to circle and star that, and I want you to ask God that question every day. Because they're asking the right question. What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Right? And, and that's what we need to be preaching to people out there. Right? You, he's sending us out there that we might proclaim the gospel so that people can believe on him whom God has sent. And, and, and if we can get people to believe on him whom God has sent, now, now we're cooking with, with, with Crisco. Right? Now, now, now we're cooking, right? With Lord. Right? Because in Christ, you're born again. And, and only through Christ can the callousness, the hardness of our hearts be made soft and pliable. It's a work of God. We can't do it ourselves. It's a work of the Lord that only he can do. 
right? And so for all the people that we have issues with or that we have judgments against or we know need to change or we know their views are off and askew and so forth, what we can't do is is be satisfied with the physical bread feeding our bellies by arguing on a human level and trying to intellect or persuade and so forth people into behavior that the sin nature is incapable of allowing them to engage in. What we need to let them know is who the son says free is free indeed. What we need to let them know is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whosoever believed on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What we need to, what, what, what we need to let them know is that, 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 that in Christ, we've been freed from the bondage of sin and death, right? So, so sin has no longer mastery over us, right? The, the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Amen? And so in our arguing, in our satisfaction that we're getting our bellies fed on these arguments, we are failing to deal with the bread of life portion of the issue that Jesus wants to talk to us about today. Amen? What they need is the bread of life. They don't need our wisdom. They need to know Jesus. They don't need to try and fix themselves. They can't do it. They need to yield themselves to Christ and allow him to do the work in them that only he can do. The same work that he's doing in us. Because truth be told, we're all, we were all sinners saved by grace. I admire many people's walk in here, your sincerity and your conviction of the Lord. But one thing we can not forget, and we need to gather up the remnants, uh, of the remnants going back to our salvation experience, what it is that God saved us from. As a reminder, as a memorial of the goodness of God, of his love and his grace and his mercy toward us. As a reminder that though I walk with God in spirit and in truth, though I have overcome a lot of the issues that I came to God with, it does not change the fact that God saved me out of a life of sin and shame. He saved me out of a life of sin and death and gave me eternal life in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that is the testimony of Jesus. And, and, and that is the bread of life that those who are walking in darkness need to feast on. Amen? And so let's not give them bread that will feed them for a day, may fill their stomachs up, but won't do them any spiritually good. Let's give them the bread of life. So they ask him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And he said, this is the work of God. This is it. This is it. You believe on him whom he said. Jesus then, going down to verse 32. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And there we have the crux of it. Jesus through even through the feeding of the 4,000 and 5,000. What is the remnant you want him to, he wants you to gather from that? Is that Jesus Christ was sent to God as the bread of life. He is the bread of life. 
That is the thing that his disciples should have been able to discern, but they weren't. And it's the thing that made him ask, are your hearts still hardened? You should be able to understand this. I'm not talking about bread that fills your body. I'm talking about the bread from heaven, the bread of life. And so he says of himself that he is the bread sent by God from heaven, the true bread that gives eternal life. What does he say? For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to who? Oh, y'all can do better than that. Are you? I mean, we put it on the screen for you. So let's try it again. All right. My father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. All right. There's bread from heaven that we have partaken of. There is bread of heaven that we have to disseminate to those who know not of the bread of heaven. They need. How can they know unless they're told? Right? How can they receive that which they've not been offered and given? Right? So we need to carry the bread of life to those who need life. Amen? And so Jesus revealing himself as the bread of life. God's divine provision that gives eternal life. Let's, let's go on. Verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Just in case they didn't get it the previous verse. He comes out and he's very, very deliberate about it. He just removes all doubt. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You know he's not talking about the body. It doesn't matter how many good meals I eat. I always hunger again. And you can tell that I eat a lot. Not as much as Charlie, but I eat a lot. Not as much as Jim or Johnny, but I eat a lot. <laughs> oh, I don't mean that in a negative way, brothers. I should have said, with all due respect. Is that, does that make it, does that make it better now? <laughs> so, Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You know, I've seen that in a in a new way. You know, I cannot look at the provision of the uh, the feeding of the four thousand and the five thousand the same way again after this connection being made in my mind. And there are those with hard hearts who won't get it. You know, uh, really, that's the part of the point of the parable of the seed and the sower, right? Is that God's word goes forth, right? Each one of those different soils represents a different facet of hardness of heart, except for the good soil, right? It shows the causes and the effects of having a hard heart, uh, 
having a hard heart affects your ability to perceive the truth of God's word. Which is why God won't settle for our hearts being hard. He's going to deal with that. Because the hardness is a hindrance. It prevents, like I said, with calloused hands, you, you develop, they're kind of, they're, they're ugly, they're coarse. You know, you don't see any hand models with calluses for a reason. Right? But, but they are evidence of hard work. They are evidence of repeated injury. And, and so to protect itself, the skin just develops these dead sin scales as a shield to protect the sensitive skin underneath. But the problem is that skin underneath that is sensitive, that, that, that would be able to feel touch and, 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 and respond. You know, you don't have those soft hands. It, it affects you in certain ways. You don't have the sensitivity of touch that, that, that is needed for, for more delicate processes, right? You don't want a surgeon with callous hands to be performing surgery, invasive surgery on you, right? You know, there is a feel of these things that, that, that you need to be able to, 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 to discern and be sensitive to. Same issue with the heart. Whatever callous shell is over our heart, it, it hinders our ability to be sensitive to what God is saying to us. It, it, it hinders our ability to perceive it in, in, in the right spiritual context. We see what God is doing, but how do we perceive it depends on whether or not we have calluses on the heart or not. Right? And so we see these good-hearted men, his disciples, who gave their lives to him, who gave up everything to follow him, we see him as their teacher. We see them as their, him as their Lord at what he's having to deal with and what he's having to walk them through. This is a significant moment. And he's saying your heart is too hard to get it. You know, we don't look at it this way. Um, perceive... Uh, how do I want to say this? You don't, you're not required, evil intent is not required for your heart to be hard. It was a hard heart that made Peter object when Jesus said he was going to suffer and die. And Jesus said, uh, get thee behind me, Satan. Right? This is the will and purpose of God. You're thinking you don't want to lose me. You're thinking you're fearful because you're looking at it from a carnal perspective. Oh, far be it from you, Lord. None of that stuff's going to happen. He's like, oh, yes, it will. Get, get behind me, Satan, because it is the will of the Father that I do this. And, and you're going to have to get your mind around the fact that I'm going to have to suffer on the cross and die and I got to go to my father because if I don't go to the father, he won't send the Holy Spirit, right? The way of salvation won't be provided for. This, this is the will of God. And we got to look past our emotions, our carnal perspective. We have to see the deep things in God. Amen. Lord, what are the deep truths in what I'm seeing? What is it that you're saying to me, Lord? If I lack sensitivity, Father, I, I, I want to yield to you in a way that allows you to remove the calluses from my heart that, that, that are affecting my ability to see what you're doing uh, for what it really is. Amen? 
in light, in, in, in spirit and in truth. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. I want to, I want to respond in faith according to your truth in the spirit of God. I want to respond in that way. I don't want to respond out of my carnality. I want to see you as the bread of life. Uh, where did I stop at? Verse 35. I still got a couple more. Verse 38, uh, John 6. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In verse 40. For this is the will of my father. That everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Praise the Lord. That's that, that's that, that's the will of the father, right? Each of us can say God's individual will for us. If he gives us a specific assignment and so forth, but as the church of God, those of us who make up Jesus' hands and feet and his body as we're carrying forward the, the gospel message that he originated here on the earth. Amen. And what he said, I didn't come here to do my own will, but the will of the father. And so as we are to take up our cross and follow him, right, we're carrying forward that same commission, the will of the father. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says, take up your cross and follow me. It doesn't mean Hey, however God's gifted you, take up it, take it up in the way that you want to do it. Do your own thing in the name of Jesus. No, however God's gifted you, whatever he's called you to, make sure that it is the will of God and that, and that it, and that your will doesn't vie for, for competition and vie for supremacy against the will of God. Cause not even Jesus did that, right? You know, he says, only do what I see him do. Only say what I hear my father say. I didn't come here to do my own will, but to do the will of the father. And he's saying, whatever God has called you to, when he says, if you're going to come after me, take up your cross and follow me. He's like, okay, God has a purpose and a plan for you. Find that purpose and plan. And until you find that unique purpose and plan for you, there is a will of God that applies to every member of the church. It's, it's not just for some people to share the gospel. Every believer is, is to share the gospel. Every believer is to share the love of Christ. Amen? And so every believer is a witness. Every, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, every believer is a, a minister of reconciliation. People through whom God is beckoning to the world, be ye reconciled to God. Amen? So you are a soul winner. You are. You know, you may not be the most eloquent person. You may not have the greatest testimony, right? Um, you, you you may not be the most brilliant individual or the most, most gifted individual, but that's all right. That, God, God, Jesus chose as his disciples who he chose for a reason. And there was a diversity of individuals represented. And not, and, and, and he didn't go to MIT and get them all. Right? He got them from different walks of life. Right? Uh, everyday Joes and Janes. Amen? Is it, you don't, it, 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 it doesn't, 
you don't have to have it all together or you don't have to be at the uh, the cream of the crop for God to be able to use you. All you got to do is be available and open and say yes to God. If we're available to him, you'll be amazed at what he's able to do in you and through you. And uh, in verse 40, for this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. I know I repeated that. Uh, that, that, that was a bonus. That's free. And so I just really wanted to encourage you to uh, encourage you today. Like, like that song said, even if I don't see it, you're working. Even if I don't feel that you're working, you know, that's a good start. But God, I, Jesus in this, uh, in our, in our main text this morning, Jesus expected his people to see it. Now, we don't have to see it in order to trust God, but it doesn't change the fact that he expected them to see this. I am revealing something here. I'm revealing spiritual truth about myself. Uh, in feeding these multitude, I'm not just I'm not just showing them a miracle that I can feed people with little provisions. I'm revealing myself as the bread of life come from heaven that gives eternal life. Just like when he raised Lazarus from the dead, what did he say to Mary and Martha and him before he did it? He was like, I am the resurrection and the life. I don't want you to just look at the fact that I raised this guy up from the dead the spiritual significant. There's some remnants I want you to gather here. I want you to realize something that, that what this says of me. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. Amen. So God is the resurrection and life for you, for all of us. He is that for us today. Amen. He is the resurrection and the life. Right. So even if you don't see it, you can you can put your trust in that. We, we, if we gather up those remnants. We can remind ourselves of those truths. Carry those truths with us in our heart. We've gathered them up. We've stored them in our hearts. And, and as we go on forward and we and we face the next encounter in life. Right. We've got that remnant with us. That's going to help us see and remind us. Oh, praise God. Uh, uh, th- this might be a problem if not for the bread from heaven, if not from the bread of life. Amen. And we and, and we can pray and ask God to reveal Himself to us, you know, uh, in new ways. What is it you want to reveal about yourself to me today, God? It's, I'm journeying with you, right? What is it that you want to say? Um, I, I want to finish up in a. I'm not sure if I gave them this one or not, but uh, I'll just read it. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 19. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, so that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit, in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I mean, how do we combat a hard heart, right? Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence 
for out of it flows the issues of life, right? You know, and his prayer for them, right, is that they be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being so that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith, right? That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You know, there comes a point of God that surpasses knowledge, right? He doesn't want us to come to him just on the basis of knowledge. He wants, to, he, he wants our hearts, right? He wants us to come to him relationally. So the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How many of you know you can be filled with all the fullness of God? I said, how many of you know that you can be filled with all the fullness of God? So, so what are some, I guess, some, some, some takeaways from this? You know, I, I think just as in uh, anything, uh, whether it's studies, when you're studying the word of God, whether you're uh, going to school and you're paying attention in class or when you're starting a new job, attentiveness is important, right? When you're in a relationship, attentiveness is important. We've all heard the phrase, read the room. Read the room, right? Uh, this is not the setting. This is not the time for you to be going on that rant that you're going on right now. Read the room. Be attentive. Uh, uh, there are some, 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 some necks that are bristling. There are some people that are bowed up right now. You, 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 tone it down. Read the room. Well, we ought to go through life in our walk with the Lord. Read the room. Be attentive. God, I'm confident in this environment, but I'm not in control. You are. I have my ability to perceive I see through a glass darkly. I can perceive to some extent what's going on, but what am I not perceiving? What are you saying that I'm not seeing? What are you doing that I'm not perceiving? So be attentive to every circumstance. Being attentive. When the, like when the shepherds came when Jesus was born and they said all the things that the angel has told them. Mary gathered all these things in her heart. She was attentive. She, she gathered up the fragments. She committed those things to memory. And she carried them forward. Be attentive in the circumstances that God has you in. Gather up the fragments. Meditate. Not like yoga. Meditate on the word of God. When you read a passage, don't just be satisfied that you read your passage or your, your quota of scripture for the day. But, but, but do a, uh, 
an extra attentive deep dive into that word of God. God, what are you saying? You know, this, I'm reading the words of life. You know, I'm, I, I'm reading the bread of life come from heaven here. And so, Lord, I don't, I, I don't want just a belly full. I, I, I want my spirit to be fed here. That's my cue. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I want to be, have an attitude of, Lord, I want to be fed here. What are you saying? Uh, I may not be missing something, but Father, I may be missing something. And so, 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 but, so, Lord, I want to be attentive. Are there any fragments for me to gather up? Are you revealing something of yourself that I need to know? Are you revealing something about me that you want? Is there something in me, a character trait that needs to die in me because it is weighing me down and hindering me from going deeper with you? Reveal it to me, God. So that with a humble heart, I can yield it to you and I repent. You know, we don't, the, the word repent isn't used as often as it used to be and, 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 and we need to be challenged to repent before God to confess our sins and to repent and to be accountable to one another before God as an important aspect of our need to grow in Christ. Amen? We need to get over that fear uh, of, of what people might think or how people might respond and we just need to value and treasure more. You know, Partnering with God, conforming the character of Christ in us. Now, I've got more to say. We'll go into the next week. I'm going to ask you all to stand. And, 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 and I'm just going to, you know, I feel like I, I need to encourage those of you who aren't able to be here, but you're watching online, you know, I, I, I just trust that God is ministering to you where you're at. And just know we love you and bless you in the Lord. And, and I would ask you to stand where you are right now, too. And, and I just believe it's decision time. You know, maybe God has convicted you today of some calluses on your own heart. Right? And uh, we've got plenty of space up here. I'm going to ask those of you who... The word is ministered to and you feel like God is talking to you. I'm just going to uh, ask you to uh, come on up before God and, and you're not going to have to bear everything out to me. But, you know, I think we need to not be afraid of coming before God, coming up to his altar and just letting God deal with us. Letting it be known that there is something, an area that I've been hard towards God, that God has spoken to me and dealt with me today. And I am coming up here in front of all. Maybe I can inspire somebody else. I'm coming up here before God just as a show of, of humility, a show of faith, a show of trust in him. Uh, not afraid to let it be known that this message was for me today. And, and I'm coming up here to give my hard heart to God, that area of my hardness to God. If that's you, come up. If it's not, don't. But if that's you, come up. Be mindful to be spaced, spaced out. 
Thank you, sister. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for dealing with our hearts today, Lord, even ministering to your people right now. Whether they're listening online or or here today. Thank you that you love them so. Thank you, Lord, that that revelation is still happening, um, even amongst those who have not seen it necessary to come up. That people are even now reflecting on how you have. Bring to remembrance, Father God, all the times that you've been the bread of life. To your precious sons and daughters. Bring to our recollection now, Father God. Bring it to our minds in such a way as we're able to discern and see retroactively, but we're able to see, we're able to gather the remnants, the spiritual significance of what you were doing in our lives at that time. And move on us to gather them up and carry them forward. So those truths received, those lessons learned, open the eyes of our hearts will open our understanding will deepen our relationship with you Lord and, and make us more sensitive <laughs> make us more sensitive to how you're working in our lives to what you're doing in us and through us and while and at the same time you're revealing yourself to us in a greater and more intimate Father God, I bless these who have come up in the name of the Lord. I thank you, Lord, by faith. They have responded uh, to the altar call in this way, Lord, and their presence up here today is making a statement. It is signifying that, Lord, I've had some callousness of heart in an area of my life, and, and having recognized that, Lord, I'm humbling myself before you, I'm confessing it before you, Lord. I'm repenting before you, Lord, and I'm giving it to you. That I might see you as the bread of life. That I might perceive what you're doing. the spiritual significance of it in the context that you mean for it to be received. Hallelujah.